All right. We're in our Kingdom Kids series. We've got some kids with us. I want to talk to the kids for a moment. We're all kids, so you'll be able to relate if you're no longer a kid. But kids, have you ever been told by an adult that you can do anything? Have you ever been told that? You can do anything. So why does your parents say no to you when you ask for the keys to your car because you want to go to the store and get a brand new toy? You can do anything. Why can't you do that? That doesn't make sense, right? I don't think it makes sense. I don't think that's fair. Miles, do you want my keys to go to the store, drive my car to the store and get a new toy? I'm frightened by that look on your face. (laughs) Guard the keys, hide the keys. Okay, you got it. No, why can't you do that? Because you're not old enough to do that yet right? You're not responsible enough yet. You have to learn some things so you can do that yet. But the idea of what our parents say, what all of us say when you say you can do anything, the idea behind that is that you can grow to do anything you set your mind to. But today I want to share with all of us something that we can do, that we should do. In fact, that we have the privilege and the honor to get to do no matter how old you are. We're in week two of our series, Kingdom Kids. In this series, we're looking at the, the profound truth that kids matter a great deal to the king and his kingdom. Last week, we focused on how, how even though in, in, in our lives, the goal of parenting is to raise up kids to be independent, and that's the sign of maturity, that in our spiritual lives, the sign of spiritual maturity is not independence, but dependence on our great God. That was last week. If you missed it, you can go back to hopekzu.com and, and, and listen to that message. But today, today we're going to talk about how it does not matter how old you are. God has good, important work for you to do. So we're going to look at a biblical hero whose first heroic act comes when she is only about five years old. And to to help us learn from this hero, I want to invite up one of my young heroes up. Zoe Bronzing is going to come and read for us from God's true word. And you're not five. You're older than five. I can't remember. Eight? Seven. Sweet. Why don't you stand right here? And Zoe is going to read from us. Do you want me to hold that or you want to hold it? I'll hold it. Okay. The birth of Moses. Now a man of the tribe, tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, 
Take this baby and nurse him for me. I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. Awesome. Thank you, Zoe. Give it up for Zoe. Mmm. <coughs> so good. Awesome. What a passage, huh? This passage is about a lot of things. It's ultimately about God doing what God does with some important players and servants in the midst of it. And today we're talking about Miriam. You might say, where's Miriam? Her name's not mentioned here, but she is that little girl. And Miriam is believed to be about five years old when this all went down. Five years old, and yet God uses her to accomplish a most amazing task. It reminds us that there is no age requirement on serving the Lord. You don't have to reach a certain age to serve the Lord, but there's also no age limit on serving the Lord. You never retire from serving the Lord. That's a good thing for all of us. Now, uh, when I think about this, that there's no age requirement, no age limit on serving the Lord, I can't help but think of water parks and roller coaster amusement parks. Uh, kids, have you ever been to like a water park or amusement park and you really wanted to go on a ride and that, that, like, that person standing there with the pole to test your height to see if you're tall enough? Right? This happened to me just a couple months ago. And they, they, they ask you to come stand by the pole to see if you're tall enough. And, and what happens if you're not tall enough? They say, sorry, you can't go on this ride. No matter how much you plead or beg or anything, they just won't let you on. There's a, there's a restriction preventing you from going. I have to tell you a story, though, about my cousin Alex when uh, he was a little lad, uh, maybe fourth grade or so. We were at Cedar Point, and he was like millimeters shy, like the, the, the worker made a judgment call and none of us agreed with it. Okay, this is bad advice, so don't take our advice. So what did we do? We waited until there's a different worker there and my aunt took some sugar packs and put those sugar packets in his shoe, between his foot and his shoe, to raise him up a few more millimeters. We tied those shoes real tight and he walked up and he passed and he rode his first major roller coaster. Now when I think about it, that wasn't wise because those restrictions are in place like for safety reasons. And it was the corkscrew, which goes up and down and stuff. And so it was a little risky, but he survived. He's doing really well. Alex, share a birthday with you. Glad you're still with us. Uh, <laughs> all that to say, there may be times in our lives when people tell you you're not old enough, you're not big enough, you're not smart enough, you're not strong enough to do something. But there are no limits on serving the Lord. There are no age requirements on serving the Lord. In fact, God often, God continuously works wondrous ways through people of all ages, in the early stages of life, in those middle stages of life, and yes, the latter stages of life. We are, in fact, incomplete without people of all stages present doing their part to serve the Lord in their own unique way. So kids, you have an active role to play 
in the kingdom of God. You, kids, have an active role to play in per- furthering God's mission. Never let anyone ever tell you differently. Or that you have to be older. Or you have to be smarter or stronger or anything like that. Consider today your sugar packet giving you the freedom to go and do what God has sent you to do. Because God works through willing hearts of all ages. And here in this text, we have a prime example in Miriam. I want to give you some context to this passage. This falls in Exodus 2. And uh, as you know, Pharaoh, he's a new, this is a new Pharaoh. He's the king over Egypt. And the Hebrew people have been enslaved. And they were rising in numbers significantly. And this Pharaoh was terrified that, that the Hebrew people were going to raise up and overthrow the Egyptians. So what does the king do? He wants to protect his people, his power, and all of that. And so he puts in, as you know, a decree that any newborn male babies were not to live. And that is terrifying truth in our word of what was happening. And Moses is born to a woman named Jacobed. Moses is a Hebrew. He is a son. He is a boy during this decree. His mother, Jacobed, looks at him, and the text here says, saw that he was a fine child. In Hebrew, tov ma'od, it's the same language used that says he is very good. Echoes of creation. He is very good. Good. The mother looks upon her child with the same type of love that God looks upon you when he created you. And Moses is hidden for three months. Now, babies make a lot of noise and a lot of smells. And they hid that baby for three months. I don't know how they did that, only by the grace of God, because God had some plans for Moses. And his mother, Jacobed, did not know that. She just knew that she loved her child and could not do the unfathomable, to, so she would do anything to protect him. But God used that fierce love to propel his mission forward. You see, love is a pathway for God to do his work. And God worked through this love of a mother for her son. The mom puts Moses in a basket when they could no longer hide him with a hope, with a prayer. Talk about a Hail Mary, that he will somehow be saved. You see, to keep him would guarantee his death. To put him in the basket, in the water. Slimmest of chance, but she longed for him to be saved. She loved this child, cared for this child, nursed him for three months. Can you imagine how hard that would be to do what she did? And in verse 4, Miriam enters the scene. She is nameless. We get her name later, and it confirms later this was Miriam. His sister, Moses' sister, stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. So the text does not specify whether... Jacobed, Moses' mom, told Miriam to look after Moses. 
or if Miriam did that on her own accord. We don't, we don't really know. I mean, I'm sure the mom was uh, just emotionally distraught here, as was the whole family. So it's possible in that she gave instructions. It's also possible that, that this was Miriam's choice. We really don't know. But after three months of this entire family caring and helping hide this child, loving Miriam, loving her little baby brother, she then herself is placed in a terrifying situation to watch over whatever might happen to her brother. We don't know how long he was there. We know he cries in just a few moments when Pharaoh's daughter finds him, but we don't know how long. But Miriam stands watch. <clears throat> you guys ever see Prince of Egypt? It's a beautiful movie. Take some liberties. One of the liberties it takes is uh, that movie would have you believe baby Moses goes on quite the perilous, rapid-filled journey uh, uh, until he is found by Pharaoh's daughter. But the text really just tells us that, that the basket is placed among the reeds and that Pharaoh's daughter finds the basket among the reeds. It is possible Moses journeyed from reed to reed, but we don't know if that's true or not. So, so either way, what we do know is what the text tells us. Revisit it here where it says, Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe. Her attendants were walking along the riverbank, and she saw the basket among the reeds, and so she sent her female slave to get it. She opened it. She saw the baby. He was crying. She felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. So she sends her servant to go get the baby in the basket, and the servant brings the baby to Pharaoh's daughter and is moved by this baby. Think about Miriam. She's watching this all play out. Miriam is watching on. We presume she's kind of hidden away, but again, we don't really know. Okay, but we presume she's kind of hidden away and she hears Pharaoh's daughter say, this is one of the Hebrew babies. During a time when the Hebrew baby boys were not meant to live. Imagine the uptick in Miriam's heart rate at this time. This is one of the Hebrew babies. What comes next is what she's thinking. But then look at what she does. The text goes immediately to this and says, after she says, this is one of the Hebrew babies, Pharaoh's daughter says, then Miriam asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? And this astounds me. Pharaoh's daughter did not say if she was going to keep this child yet, right? She was moved. She did not say, I'm going to keep this child. The air hung with the tension. Pharaoh's daughter being moved by the crying baby, but also knowing this baby was not supposed to be alive based on her own dad's orders. So what was she going to do? And then this Hebrew girl steps out and speaks right to her and suggests the pathway forward toward life. And so Pharaoh's daughter says, yes, go. She answered, so the girl went, got the baby's mother, Jacobed. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby, nurse him for me. I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. Man, you can see God's fingerprints all over this. Because otherwise it just doesn't make sense. 
And this is where Miriam amazes me. Five years old. Pharaoh's daughter, the princess of Egypt, the daughter of the one who ordered her own brother to death. And yet she courageously speaks. It was courageous enough to make your presence known in the face of royalty, of those that, act, that, 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 that lord over you. And yet she stepped forward. And she didn't speak, notice, to the servants. She oversees them and goes directly to the royalty. She speaks to Pharaoh's daughter. And God blesses her faith-filled courage. She had no clue what God would conduct through all of this. She had no clue. She took that step, and then God carried that step of faithfulness to bless the entire world. And that's what's amazing. Because we know Moses was the one God had chosen to free his people from slavery. His people that would eventually lead to Jesus' people, for, that, Jesus, that would lead to Jesus coming. God took Miriam's small step of courage and faith and blessed the entire world. Kids, you have a voice. You have a view of life that we adults need to hear. We don't know if Miriam swayed Pharaoh's daughter or not. But it is possible that Pharaoh's daughter did not even think about keeping that child until Miriam spoke up. Your voice matters. Your voice matters because what you see and what you say matters a great deal to us and it matters a great deal to the God who loves you. God took Miriam's small step of courage and faith and blessed the entire world and as a part of that worldly blessing, he didn't just bless the world, he blessed Miriam's mom and entire family. Any moms here who have ever raised their kid, can you imagine being paid to care for your kid? To nurse your child? She was paid to nurse and care for her baby. Even more so, she got more time with Moses. Text doesn't specify how much, just until Moses was weaned. Historically, that was often two years, but it could have been up to four or five years. We don't know. But it does seem to be enough for Moses to come to know about his people, to know who his people are. And they got to do that in a new way. Their entire experience with Moses before this was in deep terror of what could happen to him and to them. But now they could raise Moses without fear that they had before because they're now under the protection of Pharaoh's daughter. And that is profound and that is beautiful. And we know that, that those family ties stick because Miriam and, and Aaron are a part of the entire Exodus journey and played very important roles. So think again about Miriam. Here she is at five years old, and she's already showing she is smart. She is faithful. She's a good sister to her brothers, a good daughter to her parents. And what we see is as she got older, all those remained. And she grew, and she grew, and she grew into a leader. Exodus 15, as well as Numbers 12, 15, Exodus, Numbers 12, refer to Miriam as a prophet. She is a prophetess. We don't, we don't have any of the specific prophecies of Miriam mentioned in the text. 
but she's mentioned twice in God's word as a prophet. A prophet doesn't just speak prophecies. What they do is declare the word of God to the people of God. And to be a prophet takes such courage and faith because usually what you're saying to the people of God, the people might not want to hear. But Miriam did so. She was known as a prophet. And not, what else? A prophet must know God. You must know God to speak the word of God. And she knew God enough to be a prophet of God, to speak the word of God to the people of God. She was important because Micah 6, 4 says this. God is speaking here. I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you. Oh, but not just Moses. Also Aaron and Miriam. She is mentioned as one of the people to help lead them out of Egypt. And then once, once uh, the, the great, amazing Exodus journey through the parted seas occurs, and they are safe, and Miriam, she looks back, and she sees the carriages and, and, and Pharaoh's army all taken over and overcome by the waters as they came crashing down. Their response was to worship. And who leads the people in worship but Moses and Miriam? She was a worshiper. She sings and leads the women in song and dance, as it says in Exodus 15, 9 through 21. And this is what I'm getting to with Miriam. Her faithfulness as a child led to her faith-filled life. The good work that happened when she was young God continued to grow her exponentially for a faith-filled life. Kids, you have no idea what God has planned for you. No idea. We don't have any ideas. But if you follow God, you come to know God, to love God like Miriam loved and knew and followed God, there is no doubt God has something amazing in store for you. He is going to work through you in miraculous ways. Now, that does not mean it's going to be easy. Anyone here who, there's been a few years since we could be called a kid, will tell you a journey of faith is not always easy, but it is so good. Think of Miriam. It wasn't easy for her. She lived in slavery for 40 years. She was delivered by God, and then she helped lead a quarreling people for 40 years in the desert. And she died before she ever saw that long saw after promised land. Kids, there are times you'll also make mistakes. Miriam, as an adult, she made a mistake she started to think that she wasn't viewed as as highly as Moses. And her and Aaron were talking a little bit about their brother behind his back in a not honoring way. And she was punished for that. She had leprosy and she had to wait a week until she was healed. Now God's not going to punish you in that way. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is we will mess up along the way, but God will graciously restore us and help us find our way back to serve him once more. It's not easy, but it is truly amazing. Miriam's faithfulness led to the faithfulness 
of others. She led worship after the parting of the seas. It was the only appropriate response to God's making a way for them through the seas where there was no way. They turned to worship and she led the women in song and dance, showing them what it is to live a faith-filled life. For she knew what it was to live a faith-filled life. And Miriam has a lasting legacy. Her impact from Exodus carried all the way throughout the generations. In fact, some of you probably know this, Miriam is the Hebrew name for Mary. Okay? Just like Joshua is the Hebrew name that, that translates into Jesus, which we know now, right? That Miriam is the Hebrew name for Mary. Mary is everywhere in the New Testament. There's like five in the Gospels. It's very confusing but it's also the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Mary. So people knew Miriam and carried her with them. Our kids are not just the leaders of tomorrow. Kids, you right now have an active role to play in serving the king and the kingdom. God has a mighty work to do in and through you right here and right now. And that is a word for each and every one of us, no matter your stage in life, no matter if you can run laps around this church or it's going to take you like, like, like a long time to walk laps around this church. God has a plan and a path in store for you right here and right now. For those of us who are more young at heart than we are in body or mind, we have a role to play in building up our kids to be kingdom kids to love them through the highs and the lows of life and to position them, position them to take their own steps of faith like Miriam was positioned by the reeds. But also, also as we ourselves take our own steps of faith, just like Jacobed placing Moses in the basket. So kids, how can you serve God today? Your homework, kids, is to talk with your caregivers when you get home. What does it mean for me to serve God? Parents, your assignment is to engage in that conversation with them and dream with them about how they can serve God. But adults, for us, how can we help put our kids in positions to thrive? And how can we invite them to serve alongside us as we serve? The work that God calls us to today will prepare us for the work he has for us tomorrow. And we have no idea what God might do in just one small act of courage, one small act of faith. So may we all, as God's children, step boldly toward him today and let him go to work. May that be true for each of us today. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> oh Lord, we thank you for the ways throughout the ages that you have been at work. As we sang not long ago, you never stop moving. You never stop working. You are always at work moving your kingdom cause forward, working through your faithful people, making a way where there was no way. 
God, we long to be servants that you work through. So God, may you work within our hearts. May you work within our lives so that we may serve you faithfully no matter who we are, no matter what barriers stand in our way, no matter our age, our size, our abilities. May you, as your spirit leads, guide us forward to serve you in love. We thank you for all ages present in this place. And we know our work is not yet done. But God, we are called to this faith-filled, courageous lifestyle, not out of really a sense of obligation, but really out of a sense of love for you. Because when we consider who you are and what you've done, we're overwhelmed with love. So just like Miriam and the women, after their deliverance, their inclination was to worship, our inclination is to worship you. Say how good and how great you are. We love you, Lord. We give you all honor and glory and praise in this place, here and now. We pray. Amen.